0: You are, you are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing Ninety
1: Seven podcast. Um, I just find it really relaxing, especially the simplicity of tenkara. Just, you can just be out there and listen to the birds. And
0: can you do it on still water? Is it more of a? It's got to be a you know a stream or river.
1: I was about to say that traditionally tenkara is on high gradient streams, but I use it mostly in. Um, high elevation, high mountain lakes. And I do most of mine spike fishing these beautiful trout in this crystal clear water.
2: Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires, bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate theflycrate.com is your
0: source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine. The convenience of having flies delivered right to your door. Some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. theflycrate.com
2: Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition
0: of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really happy you chose to join us wherever you're tuning in. And we're going to head out to Northern California, Paradise, California, to be specific. We've got Nick Feller on the line. Now, Nick is into Tenkara. And this is something that has intrigued me uh, for quite a few years. Really, full disclosure, no, not a lot about. I was trying to do some research before we hopped on this call. But uh, we're going to find out all about Tenkara and uh, what makes it so special, and uh, why Nick chooses to chase fish in this fashion. Nick, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. And uh, full disclosure, I'm no expert, so I can't tell you everything about Tenkara, but be happy to share what I do know.
0: Yeah, well, that I, I like that. That's honest, and you know what? We're all learning. And that's what. That's what I think fly fishing is all about. You just never stop. Tell me we were just chatting before we kind of started recording but um, it sounds like basically you've been doing this from day 1 uh, and and not a, a lot of other fly fishing tell me how you came to discover tenkara
1: okay so uh i mean like brutal truth i was using a telescoping spinning rod and i used that for i think a season and a half or so and i caught my biggest trout to date probably 24, 26 inches. And I was using a, a Thomas buoyant spoon with, with a treble hook. And I had gill hooked it on the inside of the gill. And very unfortunately, that trout died in my arms and it bled to death. And uh, I spent a good half hour or so trying to revive it in the water until until it got dark. And um, I felt really just so bad about that that I started to look into different fly fishing options and how I could take that backpacking. And I've stumbled on a Reddit rabbit hole of something called tankara, And uh, it turns out you don't even need to bring a reel. So there's half my weight right there. So boom, sold. And long story short, here we are.
0: <laughs> I love it. So, okay. So who did you learn from? Did you kind of, you mentioned you jumped on Reddit. Did you learn mostly online? Or was there somebody that's kind of mentored you a little bit? Or, um, you know, who's influenced you, if, if you will?
1: um i'm pretty much entirely self-taught off of like forums and youtube videos i just i actually created a group online called the fixed line freaks and we just had our first northern california meetup about two or three weeks ago and i got to actually see for the first time another human being use a tankara rod so that was pretty cool and one of the guys has been doing it for 10 years so he's uh, much more of an expert than I. I've only been doing it for about a year now, actually.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So w- we're going to get into, you know, the gear, what you need, um, how y- I'm really curious, even as simple as how you tie on to the end of it, not having a real, like for, for me, that would be um, definitely a, a learning curve. Um, we'll jump into that. I want to get to know you personally a little bit off the water. You ready for a few random questions? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's talk tunes. Are you, if you're driving in your vehicle on the way to your favorite um, stream or creek or river, what is playing in the stereo?
1: Um, usually usually some older country music, but if it's not that, um, my girlfriend Maddie, she's got me into this chill wave kick. I don't know if anybody knows what chill wave is. I didn't know what it is. I still really don't understand it. But there's this dude named, uh, goth babe. Sounds weird, but look it up. He plays some, uh, some pretty cool, like just chill music. And it's really good driving music. I, I like to listen to it on time flies.
0: Hmm. I'm going to look that up. Is it kind of beachy stuff or how would you, how would you describe that? Oh, um, gosh, yeah, I would describe it kind of
1: beachy. It's, it's real good beachy music. He surfs, so he likes surfs and rock climbs. And as far as I know, it's just, uh, It's a dude. I can't think of his name right now off the top of my head. But him and his dog just like travel in a van or like a camper truck and just make music. So,
0: if you're heading out to do a little tenkara today, what's a go-to fly? Like, what pattern are you reaching for more often than not?
1: Uh, Especially lately, I'm using just a. It's called a Sakasa Kabari, which. Um, it's basically like the most generic Tenkara fly you can think of. It's a soft hackle facing uh, facing the eye of the hook, it's like a, re- a reverse hackle.
0: I did, and no- mine
1: I- is sorry, go ahead.
0: No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say, I did notice with a lot of the Tenkara flies, they're designed a little differently. It looks like the hackle often pushes forward,
1: yeah. Um, ideally that's so you can kind of pulse it in the water and it gives it a little bit of action because we're using a fixed line. Like we, we we're limited to what we can do. Right. Um, but yeah, I've been using one that's a white thread body with a kind of a white and black feather called a badger feather as the hackle with a peacock curl as a collar, like right below the hackle and that one seems to be doing the trick everywhere I go
0: cool so is this kind of a minimalistic kind of approach in your mind so when you're heading out you're maybe not carrying boxes and boxes of flies and your gear is super light is that a big appealing part of Tinkara for you
1: exactly that's that's a big thing that got me into it was just the minimalist and ultralight appeal to it yeah fair enough um
0: that makes sense. Well, I mean, I, what I didn't realize is that like this, this has been around since 18, 1800, 1878 and it's, it's Japanese in origin. Is it not?
1: Yeah. It's allegedly been around longer than that. That's the earliest written record of it, I guess. But to say that people weren't like kind of line to the end of a bamboo pole and catching fish before that, like you never know. Um, that's just when they started calling it tenkara and a uh, kabari flies.
0: Is there a place in and around Paradise that you get your fix, all things Tinkara, when you're not fishing? Like, In other words, is there a a fly shop, a brew pub, somewhere you go, or maybe it's the club you just started, to get your fix on on fly fishing?
1: Um, Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of fly shops nearby. There's one in the, the next town over, Chico, California. Is it? I don't know it, if you're aware. There, no. There's a lot of like shade thrown at the tenkara community from mostly the like elite Western fly fishers. So when you go into like mm-hmm. the real big time fly shops, you kind of get side eyed as a, especially as like a tenkara specific angler.
0: That's interesting. So so let's say I wanted to get set up with tenkara gear. Is it hard to find?
1: Um, depends, just depends where you go. Some fly shops are totally cool with it. There's one in Redding, California called the fly shop. They happily sell thing car a year, but that's a good three hour drive for me. Um, so I do all my shopping online for the most
0: part. Hmm. Fill in the blank for me when you're not chasing fish, what are you doing in your spare time? Um, often tying flies, uh, or working what's your day job nick i work at a grocery store usually stocking shelves yeah yeah i bet you guys have been busy the last couple of years <laughs> seems like grocery, oh, yeah grocery's been crazy um biggest lesson you've learned on your fly fishing journey so you know um with tinkara when you're on the water when you're just kind of doing your thing what does it do for you what does it bring to your world if that makes sense
1: um, I just find it really relaxing, especially the simplicity of Tenkara. Just you can just be out there and listen to the birds. And,
0: I I can you tell know, you, most, I want to most tr- of the time. I want to try it, but I can you do it on still water? Is it more of a? It's got to be a you know a stream or river.
1: I was about to say that traditionally Tenkara is on high gradient streams, but I use it mostly in um, high elevation, high mountain lakes. And cool. I do most of mine sight fishing these beautiful trout in this crystal clear water.
0: That's awesome. So let me ask yeah. you this, when you're throwing, you're, you're in an, say an Alpine, um, you know, lake, um, sight fishing, dry fly, I assume. How far can you throw? That's Cause that's actually a lot of nymphs. Oh, you do. Okay. Okay. So you're, the,
1: the Kabari actually floats and then it, it works a little bit into the the kind of the film, the top of the water column and they'll hit it there and they'll kind of hit it sinking. Sure. But there's a couple lakes in particular where I have to throw on a traditional pheasant tail nymph and they will not leave it alone, but they won't, they have no interest on anything on top.
0: Interesting. So you're, you're kind of, maybe they're taking it as an emerger as they're coming up.
1: Um, yeah, I was standing in one of the lakes, wet waiting, fishing, and I had, uh, like an inch long, I don't, I'm not sure if it was a Helgramite or what, swim up and land on my leg. So I know they're keen on some kind of big bug in there.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So, okay. You got to tell me, so how far can you throw? So for those of us that don't, I mean, I, I know there's some people out there okay. that are avid and some people know nothing. we got all kinds of levels. So let's kind of take it back to the basics. I realize that rods are telescopic and they're fairly long, but if you can verbalize like how long is a rod and how, how far can you throw it and kind of what's the limiting factors there, if you will.
1: Okay. So the rod that I've been using the most lately is uh, 360 centimeters. So it's just about 12 feet. And then I tie on 13 feet of level line and then about three to four feet of six X tippet. And then my fly. So that gives me, uh, I can't, I can't do that kind of math real quick. I'm sorry. That gives me <laughs> that's okay. feet,
0: well, you're getting out give there. Give or take. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's a long in, rod. In my
1: opinion, most fish are caught in about the 20, the 15, 20 foot range. So
0: yeah, hundred
1: percent. I don't think I'm that limited with a 10 car rod.
0: No, not at all. No. I mean, if, so when you say level line, what exactly is a level line? It's, 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 um, not tapered or weight forward. Is that what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, correct. It's just, a. am I, I know literally almost nothing about Western fly fishing, so I'm not sure about all the different types of lines and what they're called, but it's a, uh, it's just, I think it's, I think they called it a PVC line. No. Cause the PVC line's the floating, the floating one that I have. Um, yeah, it's a 3.5
0: level line, I believe
1: is what they called it.
0: Okay. And does it come in different lengths or is there a standard type length um you can buy it and cut it to
1: lengths yourself but i i've gotten all the pieces that come in set lengths with a there's a tippet ring on one side and there's a loop on the other side to attach to your lillian which the lillian is at the tip of your rod and that's where you tie your line on
0: yeah well so i was youtube and i was looking at some of the videos that you had on your youtube channel and kind of just watching other other folks doing tenkara. And that was the one question I had. Is that better be a good knot on the end of your line? And um, my, I, I... what blows me away is it's actually like a really silly, like it's just a
1: basic slip, like a loop, like a slip loop. And you just put a stopper knot on there. Yeah, sure. And somehow that works. I don't.
0: Know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I saw how that was done, and it looked very straightforward. It looked very simple. Have you ever got broken off?
1: Um, uh, broken off at what, like,
0: like on the, what area? sorry. Uh, yeah, exactly. I should be more specific on the tip of the rod. Like, so is that not ever let loose on you? Like, the no,
1: I, I've broken my tippet a lot, like my six X and my five X tippet. I've broke sure. those a lot, but the actual, like the line itself, I've never broken. Hmm.
0: Okay. So, so then you've got after this level line, how, how long of a leader or tippet material do you normally use?
1: Uh, usually about three to four feet of tippet usually 6x which I think I have in front of me it's um, three point four pound uh, co-polymer with a PTFE coating
0: okay do you use any For those of you that are
1: familiar with those terms
0: use any fluorocarbon or is that not used much?
1: no I don't I don't at least yeah I have some friends that uh, that don't even use tippet or anything they just tie straight. Monofilament, basically, to the tip of a ten-car rod, and they do fine.
0: Sure, yeah, as long as you're probably fair, fairly thin, I could see that. Working. Yeah,
1: usually six-pound test.
0: Maybe yeah, four. Sure. Um, so, do you do a lot of hiking? Do you spend a lot of time, and you know, um, climbing or hiking around to some of these elevated lakes that you're at?
1: Uh, yeah, as often as I can. I, me and my girlfriend, or my girlfriend and I, we both work a lot, and usually we get saturday and sunday off for the most part or i work saturdays but i'll get off by about noon and we'll go on an overnight trip every weekend if we could we'd go on a lot more we we through hiked the tahoe rim trail last year uh, 165 miles in 10 days wow and that's kind of what really got me into the ultralight mentality because we did that with more like standard heavy gear and uh we're both small statured people uh-oh. So uh, the frame backpacks kind of dug into our bony, bony figures. And uh,
0: yeah, I've been there. First
1: thing we did when we finished up that trail was order up a ultralight frameless, and yeah. henceforth, there that led me to Tenkara.
0: Yeah, I could see, I could see why. You know, when you spend a lot of time, you know, hiking, climbing to some of these uh locations, you want to be ultralight, and and Tenkara would be nice. So. When, when the rod telescopes down, how, how big is it? Is it like a small pack rod then?
1: Um, it, they make some really small pack ones. The one I have is uh, 21 inches when it's collapsed. So I, that's small enough for me. What's your, they is, make some that are like 10.
0: What's your go to brand? Like, is it, I mean, and I, you don't sound like you're a gear guy, you know, a gearhead that's totally has to be this brand, but what, what would you recommend for somebody <laughs> getting started?
1: Um, I personally love Tenkar Rodco. They are my go-to brand.
0: Okay, cool. Are you sponsored by them? If you don't mind me asking.
1: No, yeah. I have no like sponsors or affiliations with anybody at this time.
0: Right. I just noticed your Instagram NorCal Tenkar. It sounded sounded like you know like you were turning it into a business, but maybe that's just the way I uh, perceived uh, it.
1: Initially, I made it as just like a group of. It was getting, my idea of the page was going to be a group. A way for a group of anglers to interact. Because for me, it was hard to find information on tankara in English. And there's a lot of people in America that tankara fish. There's just not a lot of written information about it in forums online. Or you have to dig deep to find them. So I amassed this page, which when we got into winter, kind of turned me into fly tying. And that's kind of evolved into something huge because now I am kind of selling flies. Right. But,
0: uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, it's
1: a crazy journey.
0: That's a rabbit hole too. And I think it really helps with the understanding of what we're doing, right? The, you know, the life cycles of insects, the, you've always got your thinking cap on and, and then in, you know, in the winter, it gives you something to do, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It keeps you busy.
0: Hmm. I, I, I gotta admit, man, I find it funny how as a group fly fishers, like for instance, I use a lot of indicators and some people I know, frown on that they're like well that's you know that's not fly fish i'm like well man that's what i do to catch fish um
1: yeah that's uh, like uh like the hate for your own infant
0: yeah I, I who cares right do what works for you and yeah i don't get it if you're catching fish go ahead exactly and but i've got to admit with the tankara thing i have been in shops and seen people ask about it and kind of seen the eye roll once in a while it's like well i i don't even you know profess to know what it is but as i started looking into it i could see I could see, especially in like alpine streams, you know, where you're going ultra light. I could see a lot of, um, I could see why you're into it. And then also having the longer rod, you can flick that into all kinds of little, you know, nooks and crannies along cliffs and kind of cutbacks, cut banks, sorry, that I'm sure oh, yeah. you could probably find some, you know, like you said, most well, can these
1: lakes that I go to half the time, the fish cruise the banks looking for food. Right. And so they'll come to you. You just sit there and, I'll put out a fly and it's when I see one come by, I twitch it and
0: hmm.
1: nine times out of 10, they'll hit it. I, I just hit, caught my biggest, uh, biggest trout on Tenkara yet. Uh, about three weeks ago, I caught a 19 inch rainbow trout.
0: Nice. So here here's what I'm thinking. I'm, let's say I'm doing Tenkara. I'm on a still water in my area and it's a five pound rainbow. This thing hits and I'm all, I just, I think I'd be going through a lot of tippet material. I think, you know, when I run out of line,
2: obviously because i'm so
0: used to playing with the drag and we get some screamers up here like i'm telling you they'll take you all the way in your back and three or four times and i'm wondering how that would work with tankara it would probably just break off no i i don't know
1: yeah i'd say it would probably just break off and in areas like that where you're mostly hooking into just like big tanks of trout like maybe that's not a deal tankara water (laughs) however if you're into it you can talk to uh karen miller of zen tankara okay her whole brand is designed around like saltwater tenkara and catching just wow. monstrous fish with these things. Like she's going down and catching bone fish and hmm. permit on her, on these fixed line rods. Some people argue that to even call them tenkara rods, but. That's
0: wild.
1: That's neither here nor there. That's why. Yeah. That's kind of why we all started the fixed line freaks group because there's no wrong way to catch a fish, man.
0: No, hundred percent. And you know, I could see, I mean, let's face it. Most of the Alpine lakes the fish don't grow that big because you know it's a short season they're beautiful but they you know and sometimes i feel like it's overkill what we're doing you know what i mean like you're catching a 12 inch beautiful wild rainbow you don't necessarily need the fanciest drag because usually those fish don't take a lot of line they fight but um yeah you know they don't get huge i catch
1: with sankara people say that uh, it's an ineffective way to bring in fish and it puts too much stress on them but most of the fish I catch, I can land within 45 seconds to a minute that right. that 19 inch one did fight me for about two or three minutes though. I will say that. But so, how long, how long do you guys fight trout like bigger trout on a Western setup?
0: Well, I, we try to get them in quickly just cause it's, you know, I'm usually, I'm usually using 10 foot rods, five weight, yeah. uh, with plenty of backing. So, um, and I, I use the reel. So, I mean, I will strip in on occasion, but that that was my question for you, Nick, is so when you've got a fish on, how do you play it? Do you just, uh, do you just strip the line? I, I i don't even know how to do that. Like, how would you do that? Um,
1: so honestly, with Tenkara, you kind of get this thing that's called a dynamic drag or dynamic resistance. Right. Whereas opposed to with a reel, when they pull, when they pull X amount, they're just stripping line out. With Tenkara, the harder they pull, the, the greater the resistance. Right. So really they really they give you one good run and then they give up maybe two runs. Okay.
0: But so when you bring they'll the they'll fish kind of, yeah, in are you lifting
1: her and kind of you bring him? Uh, so oh, sorry, go ahead. no
0: I was just going to say are you elevating your rod to get it to your feet like how do you do that or do you back up a bit?
1: Um, yeah you kind of back up a
0: little there's there's a move called
1: the helicopter maneuver if you want to do that where you kind of lean your right arm holding the rod if you're right-handed you lean that behind you. And with your left hand, you swing your hand forward and catch the line, and hmm. you can hand-line the fish the rest of the way in.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't... Um, that's usually if you're using a really long line.
1: Otherwise, uh, you can usually lean back and get the fish into a net. Um,
0: I think it'd be pretty cool it's... to try this. I really do. Um, I, I Like you say, really there's, fun, man. there's a it's time and fun. place for it. I could see certain, certain fisheries maybe wouldn't be ideal for it, but... Um, yeah, no, it's cool. And I, I, I get a kick out of the pattern. So uh, tell me what tying the Tenkara patterns, what has that brought into your fly fishing journey?
1: Um, It's it's probably the closest thing that uh, I would say I've been able to do that I would consider like an art or like, like arts and crafts. Because, uh, yeah, I can't draw to save my life. I can't like uh, sculpt clay or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend's an artist. She's a photographer, painter. No, I have none of that. But time flies. Seems to. Yeah. Seems to work, and it's relaxing. And
0: What uh, kind of a yeah. vice do you like to tie on? Anything specific?
1: Oh, I just got something fairly cheap for now. It's a uh, a Griffin spider vice. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I up, I upgraded to it's a it's a rotary vice. I finally upgraded to one of those out. Good call. Six months ago.
0: Yeah, that's a game changer, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I was using one of those ones that came with
1: a uh, a Wopsy fly tying kit. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, those... It was <laughs> pretty, pretty bad. Well, and that's it. A lot of those fly tying kits, you're never going to get the best quality, but you're smart. I mean, the the device the is, is key, isn't it? Um, do you have any preference when it comes to thread or... Um, you know any any specific tools you'd recommend for for those of us that are uh, maybe gonna?
1: Um, I often use often use UTC Ultra Thread 140 Denier.
0: Yeah. But
1: I also have some Danville's 70 Denier that I really like. I use that for like dry flies and stuff or smaller mm-hmm.
0: work. I like the way that UTC lays nice and flat on the on the shank. Yeah,
1: you can get some you can get some smooth bodies with that. Nice. So.
0: So, um, have you been out a lot this year? I mean, um, have you got any trips coming up every weekend? Every weekend, No doubt. Yeah. Okay. So, um, um are, are you chasing some golden trout sometimes or what? I know you're in the, in the lost Sierras. I heard you call it, um, maybe verbalize yeah. around paradise, California, that whereabouts are you fishing? And don't be too specific, but just generalities.
1: Um, mostly I'm fishing somewhere, uh, somewhere off the Feather River. I'll say that much, I suppose. Okay. Um, and when we backpack though, yeah, we're just getting up into these mountain lakes. We're doing a lot of it in, uh, wilderness areas. And so we got to get permits for that, but mostly around here, I'm just chasing, rainbow trout, brook trout. There's, there's elusive browns right here in town, but they're just not coming out to play for me. I've yet to get one on a 10 car rod.
0: Um, Do you have any bass near you? Oh
1: yeah. Um, I used to chase bass. That's probably what my biggest passion in fishing used to be. Um, uh, and I I don't want to like take anything away from bass anglers when I say that it's it's less challenging. It's less rewarding to catch bass. Um, catching trout's a lot more fun. They're prettier. They're they fight harder, in my opinion. They fight
0: better. They're acrobatic. Uh, yeah. No. Good point. Yeah. I, I I I agree for the most part. I I'd say the one exception in my world is smallies. Sometimes can give you some pretty good tussles, but. Um,
1: I, that's fair. And we don't have a lot of smallmouth around here. There's some in Lake Almanor, but I don't fish that area often.
0: Right. Yeah. Fair enough. I was just curious. I've said a
1: million times but I wish there were like all these lakes that we backpacked to. I wish that some of them had bass in them because that'd be too cool. But pretty much any of these high elevation lakes are all just trout. Yeah. Fair enough. I shouldn't say just trout. Trout are amazing. They're beautiful creatures. It's hard so, to believe that brook trout exist in nature.
0: I'm gonna. I want you to paint a picture. I know you said you're not an artist, but let's pretend you're an artist for a second. All right. Um, your dream day. What does it look like? Like when does it start in the morning? You know what kind of beverages you're taking on this trip? What kind of fish are you throwing for the the type of water? Just walk us through your ideal day.
1: Um, probably waking up at just one of these lakes that we go to. And just waking up at a lakeside campsite, call it a campsite—it's not really a site—but waking up, wetting the line, catching a few fish, let Maddie wake up, get some coffee going, eat a little breakfast, cruise five or ten miles to the next lake, and set up another camp and get into twenty or thirty fish there before bed.
0: That sounds pretty good. Isn't uh, be-
1: beverages out backpacking—all we bring is water. Um, sometimes we'll bring like a little Mio and get spicy and flavor it up with one of those. But
0: yeah, uh, yeah, usually it's just water and a water filter. Yeah. Fair enough. You, yeah. Ultra light sounds like, uh, any campfires or is that, um,
1: it looks like campfires are probably going to be done for the season.
0: Yeah. We're in the same boat.
1: I fully respect.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Last thing, last thing you want to do this, especially this summer, it's been crazy hot. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that we can still use a
1: stove and not have
0: to cold soak or like go that route in any way, but right. that's
1: what we have to do.
0: What kind of a stove do you usually do. take with you? Is it like one of those small single burner ones that fold out? Yeah,
1: we have a, uh, I think the brand is MSR. It's a pocket rocket jet boil. Yeah. It unfolds and screws onto a isobutane canister and then kind of just holds a pot and boils water like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, are you taking anything to sleep on in, in your tent or are you uh, kind of just on the ground?
1: Okay, so I take we take a tent. We have a freestanding tent. I carry the tent. Maddie carries the stakes, and then it sets up using trekking poles. So um, I have that, and then I use a Climate V-Static sleeping pad with a UGQ thirty degree custom down top quilt.
0: Yeah, cool.
1: And I think I've—I uh, can't think of what type it is, but I have a Thermarest pillow, and that's like my big luxury item. That thing's like cotton fill. It folds up, but it's that thing's not ultralight by any stretch.
0: It sounds like it sounds like you found a nice balance between minimalistic and and comfort. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're, we're, I think we're pretty dialed in. We're going to, we're going to set out and do the Pacific Crest trail next year. And so that's going to be quite the journey. And I'm going to bring a Tenkara rod along for the ride. I think that'll be
0: pretty good, fun. Good stuff. We're chatting today with Nick Feller, NorCal Tenkara out of Paradise, California. Look him up on Instagram. Uh, he's got some great pics and some nice content, uh, also on YouTube, um, we're talking all things Tinkara and kind of keeping it light, kind of going back to basics. I, I, there's there's a simplicity there that it, I find appealing. Fill in fill in the blank for me. When you're not fly fishing, what do you what are you up to?
1: Usually tying flies. Yeah. Um, if I'm not tying flies or working, maybe uh maybe me and Maddie are taking a taking a day just for a day hike to go climb a mountain. We just bagged. Um, what was it called black butte which unfortunately now is suffering from one of these fires i think it's the sky fire right up there by weed california
0: okay yeah so you know it's funny that so this um this podcast is called the fly fishing 97 podcast and and the reason being is i'm on highway 97 and i believe 97 that's where it starts is in weed california so there's a lot of miles from there all the way up to pretty much Alaska, right? So there's lots of fishing in between and just when you mentioned weed that uh, I thought, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of the start, the start of the highway heading north. Um, do you get out and about a lot, uh, Nick, kinda of outside your area of, you know, fishing, or is it mostly in, you know, your your alpine kind of regions near home?
1: Uh usually we go about two hours, a two hour drive to go uh to go find a trailhead to backpack and then it's anywhere from five to 10 miles from the trailhead, usually on the first day.
0: If somebody is listening to this and they say, yeah, you know what? I want to try this 10 car thing. What's a single piece of advice you would give them? Like, um, as somebody that's, that's learned it from, from scratch, like maybe shorten their learning curve. What, what would you say? Um,
1: Just don't uh, don't be afraid to get out there and try it. Like, it seems weird and it seems totally backwards and intimidating and um, it gets weird looks, but don't be afraid to get out there and try it. It's way more fun than it looks and it's way easier than it looks. It's way easier than Western flies, it's easier than spin fishing. Like hmm. It's just really simple and light. And,
0: so- yeah what what length of a rod would you recommend because it sounds like you know being telescopic um you know if i'm going to fish say small either spring creeks or small mountain streams what what length of rod tenkara rod would you suggest
1: um i would ask some questions about like overhang what kind of what kind of stuff you're working with there uh a 12 foot rod is pretty standard I started with a 10 and a half foot rod. I found that to just be perfect. But the rule of thumb is if you can go bigger, go bigger. I have a 17 foot rod. I usually use that for really open water.
0: Wow. 17 feet. That'd be cool. You could really cast. I mean, how much that, line that do you have on that?
1: Called, that one's actually uh, what's called a K-Ru rod. It's similar to Tenkara, but. It's usually more used for um, weighted flies and bait fishing, um, like live bait from the source. So I use that one with 16 feet of furled line. And then after that, I pretty much rig it up like a drop shot for bass and I'll, I'll flip some rocks and grab the biggest stone fly I can find as long as that's legal in the waterway that I'm fishing. I'll flip a rock and grab the biggest stone fly I can find and put that on a hook and that is some fun on a 17 foot rod. The biggest thing I've caught on that so far is a 13 inch rainbow, but boy, that thing was
0: bending and whipping around. You're killing me, man. you you got I got this purest thing in my mind, and then I see, <laughs> and then you got a dragonfly or a, a stonefly nymph on the end of it. That's funny. I believe me, I know how effective that can be. It's uh, it's illegal a lot of places that that I fish, but um, when we were kids, yeah, that's... I, I
1: usually stick to a lot of uh, a lot of tailwaters and a lot of these uh a lot of these little little water creeks that are what's the word non anadromous.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Cuz those are a lot less regulated at least here in California. Seems like they really only care about steelhead and salmon. And really I'm not aiming for those with a ten rod. So yeah, I'll yeah. go to these other waterways. And, pretty much there's no rules. Usually the only rule is keep five trout, but I'm not keeping anything. So,
0: On your trips, on your journeys, kind of headed out to the uh, the Alpine uh, lakes you often frequent, have you had anything weird that's happened to you in your time, whether it's um, wildlife stories or, uh, or fishing stories? You know, you wouldn't believe this, but this actually happened. Anything come to mind? Um, We had just about a month
1: ago, we had a bear get our bear bags. But like it didn't really get them. It just chewed them up, which was almost more funny. And uh, all like our stuff was, some of it was punctured and the rest of it was kind of okay if it wasn't crushed.
0: Were you hanging that in in a tree or what were you doing? Um, So we
1: have what's called ersacs, which you might be familiar with. It's kind of like it's made out of like a bulletproof Kevlar. And it's designed that if you're in an area where you can't hang it, you can tie it to a tree similar to a bear canister. So okay. we were one of the we were in an area where just there were no real trees that you could hang off of. So we had to tie it to a tree, and yeah, uh, bear chewed on it a little bit. Chewed on Maddie's hers got the brunt of it. Hers was pretty much anything in her bag was covered with drool. It was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. Um, okay.
1: I'll be I'll be damned. If the bear could actually get in the bag. He, the Earth they are bear resistant. I won't say bear proof, but they're bear resistant.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Hmm. Is I got a philosophical question for you and I have a feeling you're the perfect guy to ask this question too. Um, is there anything that you would change about the sport of fly fishing in general? Is there anything that kind of irks you or maybe we should do a little differently in your mind?
1: Um, the only thing that irks me and I don't direct it towards anyone is just the, a lot of the elitism that comes along with the fly fishing. And it's, I don't think anyone's trying to do it. And I like, there are a lot of people out there that aren't elite at all and are really cool. Um, But yeah, just there's, there's a strange divide in the fly fishing community.
0: Do you, do you see that a lot with Tenkara?
1: Um, With Tenkara, it's a lot less so, but there, there's elitism in everything. And I've definitely met some, uh, we'll call them traditional Tenkara anglers.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure it's uh it's pretty diverse, right? It, it, no, it's interesting to me. I got a real stupid question for you. Where do you keep the line when it's not casted out?
1: Um, like when the rods put away, or just
0: no. So let's say let's say yeah. you take your rod out and you have your line. Like, yeah, well, I guess that's what I mean. So when you put it away, do you just wrap it around the handle? Do you uh, cut it off? What, what does that look like?
1: Um, you, Usually there's these line spools and you just wrap it around the spool and the spool can uh, slide down the rod half the time. I have what's called um, an Ikari fly box. You can find them at Akari Fishing and it's designed around Tenkara and it actually holds two pieces of line around the sides. And on, it has a magnetic lid, and on the inside, it holds a handful of flies. Hmm. And it weighs next to nothing. It's perfect for the minimalism of Tenkara.
0: I noticed some of these rod companies have, like, kind of a plug in the end of the rod. So when you pull it out, and then it actually inserts into almost, the, like, the, the butt of the rod. Is that a fairly common thing?
1: Um, I think that's only a thing with Tenkara USA, but I could be wrong, which they're a brand.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah, that was actually what I was watching. Yeah, Tinkara USA, I think it was. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they do have a a new system where the the plug goes into the butt. But I want to say uh, I want to say that uh, a Adventure Outfitters just came out with a new rod that does that. Okay. I'm not positive.
0: Okay, and again, the brand that you you choose you like uh, is called what Tinkara?
1: Tenkara Rod Co. Tenkara yeah,
0: Rod Company. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. I've seen them pop up on, on my feeds and whatnot. I have the
1: Sierra Rod, and that was my first and favorite rod. And now I have the the Yari Rod, which is their newest rod. From, um, it was made in partnership with a company in Japan. And it's a very premium rod. The top two sections are fiberglass. So it's about the softest, most flexible rod I've ever fished with, and it's just a ton of fun.
0: Cool. Yeah, I, I got to admit, so I, I, um, I, I went through this phase where I tried to minimize my gear, tried to go lighter weight. And I found what I found was, to be quite honest, where I'm at is super windy a lot, and I, I struggle uh going too light a weight but the length of the rod is huge so i would imagine what's it like casting these you know up to 17 foot rod i imagine you can get some some you know that would probably help in any windy situation i would imagine
1: uh the 17 one is uh half the time i'll cast it kind of like a pendulum i'll whip it forward hard and then the weight will eventually catch and throw itself ahead and so that one's actually kind of weird and fun to catch uh, short story, We I just took it out a couple weeks ago to show one of my friends and I was showing him just how to cast it and with a bear hook a fish came up and bit it so we he caught his first <laughs> rod on a K-Rey rod a 17 foot k rod with no bait and wow. I hollered down to everyone else I was like, we're doing it wrong we need to just use bear hooks
0: Why would a fish take a bear hook? That's weird That's, I don't know <laughs> We We were all confused Huh, that's kind of cool. I've never heard that before. Um, A lot of the areas that I fish
1: are not very pressured at all, and so the, the fish are pretty easy to fool.
0: Yeah, cool. So, um, what's coming up for you? Just uh, it sounds like. So, did you start this group, uh, Nor Kaltenkara, yourself, or is this something that you recently uh, joined?
1: N- N- North Kaltenkara is me at this point. But I did start a group with a couple friends called the Fixed Line Freaks, and that's kind of evolved into a hashtag, and it's kind of its own thing, and that's pretty cool. There's like 30 people in the group now. That's cool. Um, let's see here. This, what do we got coming up? This weekend we're going to somewhere down near near Tahoe. I'm not going to name any names, but yep. we're going to tr- uh, chase some cutthroats Sweet. In uh, in a couple little lakes. And then, um, we're going to go to around Lassen here in a couple weeks.
2: Hmm.
1: And then we've got a, at the end of the month, we've got a, the big one I'm excited about. We're going down to Desolation Wilderness for a big week long loop, which that's down in like the Southwest side of Lake Tahoe. It's just a big granite basin. Okay. And we passed through there on the Tahoe Rim Trail last year, but we're kind of rushed. So we're going back to take our time.
0: That's good stuff, man. I uh there's lots to learn, isn't there? And are you still I mean, are you still learning a lot as on your journey? Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah, we're learning every day. Right. Yeah, and that's I think that's the big appeal of of this pastime in general, I really do. But um is there anything we haven't covered that we should on Tinkara?
1: Um Nothing really is jumping out to me yeah. that we might have forgotten.
0: Um, we'll wrap it up here pretty quick. Well, I do.
1: I do have one other good trip coming up. We're going to uh, the Sierra backcountry towards the end of August, and we're going to go chase some golden trout. So sweet. I'm very excited about that one too. Yeah.
0: So when you go, do you try to minimalize your fly choices also, or are you kind of like, well, I'm just bringing everything I can do you, is that your approach when it comes to patterns as well?
1: Uh, usually I bring that, that white Kabari that I described earlier. Mm -hmm. i usually bring a handful of those. I'll bring a handful of pheasant tail mints and then either some caddises or maybe there's this fly. We don't really have a name for it. My friend Nate camp invented it. We just call it camps dry fly. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a cross between a caddis and a humpy. And oh, okay. uh, I'll bring that. Uh, it's a really good
0: ten-car style dry fly. Sounds sounds good. Caddis. Yeah, and usually i try to bring a handful of each of. You're you're covering a lot yeah. of ground with that one.
1: It's got oh. like a like that that humpy back. Yep. But then it comes up with the the head of a caddis. Does it have a wing? And it's just tied out of. Um no. Okay. Not really. I'll I'll send you some pictures. It's just tied yeah. out. It's got like a tail and a back. And then like the head and the front wing. Whatever you call that, the wing or the front. It's sure. not really a wing though. Yeah, I gotcha. Um Yeah. It's just tied out of a rooster hackle and then a little clump of either elk or deer.
0: Well, I love what you're doing, man. It's 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 interesting to me when you just kinda you find that passion, you just follow it and uh it sounds like it's growing every day and uh I wish you luck on this journey where do we find you on instagram and whatnot if we want to follow along on some of your Tenkara adventures in uh, California
1: at norcal Tenkara
0: okay
1: you can check me out on there um, anybody if you want some stickers to represent the brand I just got a bunch of stickers made uh, no cost just let me know where to send them
0: cool cool well keep up the keep up the good work and uh, enjoying those hikes in the uh, in the alpine Nick thanks for doing this man Yeah, and thank you
1: so much for having me on.
0: It's been fun. Yeah, my pleasure. We've been chatting tonight with Nick Feller out of NorCal Tankara. He's out of Paradise, California. Uh, Spends a lot of time in the Lost Sierras. Um, It's pretty interesting stuff. Japanese origin and and, in the 1800s. kind of an old historic way to go about it in a telescopic rod. This Tankara thing kind of intrigues me. Um, We'll probably do more on this in the future but uh, thanks for joining us this time around.
2: The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast Your feedback matters Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com Until next time tight lines and we'll see you on the water.